You are listening to the Rect Chords Podcast. Today's guest, Jeff Radomski, lead singer of Neck of the Woods. Record on some things. That's too bad, but at least you got it uh, rescheduled and, you know, you're kind of making everything work otherwise. How's uh, how's COVID been treating the band so far? Oh, it's about as well as COVID can treat any band, you know, not uh-huh. particularly well. Uh, it was only like a couple days before the release of our new record and before we were scheduled to play South by Southwest mm-hmm. when that lockdown hit. Um, so we kind of released all of our everything and we're prepared for a year of touring. And uh, now we're just writing another record. So we've got... Um, a stream coming up we're going to go into studio at rain city again in october and uh, do a little live at rain city video mm-hmm. uh, and outside of that fun stuff we're just trying to keep our head above water until hopefully we can tour the record we just released are you going to be working on the new record with was it jesse you were working with on the last record yeah we worked with jesse gander he was absolutely fantastic we cannot wait to work with him again he's uh, been nothing short of a treat Cool, cool. Well, that's exciting to hear that you have another record in the works already. So at least, uh, you know, that's something to look forward to as well. Were you considering, um, you know, when COVID kind of hit to postpone the record at all? That unfortunately wasn't a decision that we were at liberty to make. Um, We signed a record deal for this one. So we didn't have the option to defer. Um, The record label is called Pelagic. They're based in Germany. They've been, again, absolutely fantastic to work with. but they also have a set schedule. So they can't postpone everybody's releases and then release five records in a month. They kind of have like us and then a band called Psychonaut and then another band. And it was all kind of locked into place and all ready to rip. So we weren't really at liberty to make any last second changes. Mm, Fair enough. Was it different for you having to, you know, kind of work with a record label this time? What was the experience going from independent to label artist? Uh, Yeah, it's absolutely different. I'm uh, (laughs) Generally speaking, I'm the driver of the band. So when it comes to doing any of the business or administration or merchandising and all that fun stuff, tour booking and whatnot, uh, I generally do all of it. So working with a label was absolutely a totally different experience as handing off responsibilities and relinquishing control over things is nerve wracking sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did an excellent job. Their team is exceptional. Everybody that works for Pelagic or is a part of the Pelagic roster is somebody I would go to bat for. They're all fantastic. So it was definitely a learning experience and I'm hoping to do it again. So Awesome. Cool. Um, so on the album, you know, Annex of Ire is definitely a clear sonic evolution from um, from The Passenger. It's a lot heavier, it's a lot more atmospheric, which I thought was really interesting. The songwriting has definitely matured in the band, um, you know, which is saying a lot because The Passenger as well was a very maturely written, well done record. Um, how would you say the band has grown since the release of The Passenger to Annex of Ire? And um, how would you say you've grown as an individual between those two records? For the band, we changed up our writing dynamic, and we also had a couple member changes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we introduced Ron Holloway to the band. Uh, he f- originally jumped in as a fill-in bass player in a last-second um, super favor for us right before we went on tour. Um, we parted ways with our bass player and didn't have somebody lined up. Ron learned the songs in a minute. He's an excellent guitar player. Um, and then when our rhythm guitarist, Travis Hine, decided to part ways with the band, uh, Ron then moved on to guitar duties. Um, Ron actually wrote a good chunk of the record as well. Mm-hmm. So he wrote Vision Loser almost in its entirety. He wrote a handful of riffs. 
Um, he wrote Ambivalence in its entirety as well. So Ron is a riff writing machine mm-hmm. and he did all of the bass and a chunk of guitars on the Annex of Fire. Um, so when it comes to, came to writing that record, um, Dave, our, our guitarist and like the counterpart in the business has been um, generally speaking, spearheading the writing process. But with the addition of Ron, it um, really allows Dave to focus on production and composition while Ron is just cranking out riffs. Um, and of course, Dave wrote a mountain of riffs and like eight guitar solos on that record. So he definitely handled it like a champion. Um, but they also started using Pro Tools, which was something that we didn't use during the Passenger. So we were able to kind of cut and paste, move sections, and then go into the studio a lot more prepared than we went in with the Passenger. Mm-hmm. So with this one, we pretty well knew what our songs were going to sound like-ish. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we wanted to leave some artistic control up to Jesse, which is why we chose to work with him, because we really trust his vision and his ideas. Um, and we wanted him to put a little bit of a spin on it, just make it a little bit more punk rock. And we think he did a great job of that. Um, but because we were able to bounce songs around so much more fluidly, it was a lot easier for me also, because I just, it's like, here's a completed song. Okay, cool. I'll write lyrics for it. So that made it a lot easier for me, but it also made us um, a little more capable of refining everything that we were doing. We were able to listen to a song a hundred times and be like, mm, no, that tempo change isn't right. We should change that riff as opposed to being in the jam space, which the organic writing style that we had with the passenger was really great. And we'd absolutely harbor that writing style intermittently mm-hmm. with our, our material, but you can't, play back what you just did you know so if you rock an awesome riff you're like oh yeah do that again what was that and then you come back to the jam space two days later for your next rehearsal and you're like i don't remember what that was Mm -hmm. which is a reoccurring theme so yeah writing with pro tools adding ron and working with jesse was absolutely massive for the writing progress um for myself as an individual when it came to lyric writing and performing on annex of ire um, I was a lot more comfortable going into studio this time. The Passenger was still one of the first you know, three recordings I had ever done. Um, Neck of the Woods is my first band. My mm-hmm. first time being in an isolated booth, having to yell about my feelings, which is always mm-hmm. kind of weird mm-hmm. um, to like, you know, really full send when you're just in like a tiny room with a bunch of people watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into that, I was a lot more comfortable. And also I had the pleasure of working with Jesse on a couple other projects. I did guest vocals for a couple other bands. So I was already familiar with his recording dynamic, which made me a lot more comfortable. He's also a great coach. So being in the booth was a lot easier because of his inspiration, which was really nice. Um, And then I feel like also with just lyric writing, I was a little more unabashed, like just no problem wearing my heart on my sleeve and saying exactly how I feel. Um, And understanding that, you know, you write something in a particular time and that's how you feel in that moment. And then once it's written, it's gone and you can move on and you don't have to hang on to that and be that guy for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So it kind of let me write a little more, um, like The Passenger is a very uplifting record, whereas mm-hmm. The Annex of Ire is a pretty angry record. Mm-hmm. And um, that absolutely lends to it of being like, I can yell about why I'm mad, but I'm not a mad dude. And I can just let go, which was a pretty big revelation for my writing on that record. And so diving into the lyrics a little bit, you know, what was um, The Annex of Ire about lyrically overall, would you say? Um as a whole, it, the whole record kind of focuses on the theme of understanding aggression and anger and, um, and the truest form of experiencing hate, which mm-hmm. I had never experienced in my adult life um, until the release of The Passenger, when 
an artist named Christopher McKenney uh, ripped off our album cover, which he wrote a brilliant article about, which we're super grateful for. Um, but that guy really, really made me tick. Like I was losing sleep. I was grinding my teeth on the day to day. My partner, my boss, my parents, my colleagues, all of them were like, dude, you need to chill out. You look actually mad all the time. Um, so it, it took me a while to really figure out how to process that. And that's kind of where the lyrics sit is understanding what it is, how I got there, how I need to move past it and um, how we can all kind of grow and learn from those experiences. And then there's a couple one-off songs. Of course, there's always going to be a song um, about the person that I love the most, which is my sister who's still dealing with her brain cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a, a song about a couple pals who were really uh, keystones of support throughout trying times. So it kind of touches on all of those subjects. I don't know what the next one's going to be about, though. Okay. Um, no, that's great. That's a lot. Definitely a lot. Um, you know, to you know, obviously, I know the story behind uh, the photographer and your whole band getting screwed over from all yeah. of that, which you know is definitely something I think is worth uh, the piss off, for lack of a better term. Um, I'm just curious, um, you know, because at the end of the day. The Passenger did get a really awesome cover. And although it was a really stressful yeah. time, it really, you know, sometimes those points of high stress and high anxiety and high anger is what makes the great art come out in that short period of time. After the new artwork that you had made with, um, I think, a friend or a couple friends, um, after that was made and the album came out and it was still good, were you still feeling that hostility towards um, Christopher, the photographer? Of course absolutely that it wasn't about uh, whether or not the record received a great cover it was that i'm sure you understand when it comes to you know starting your own businesses or running your own band or anything is that 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 was mine and you messed with my shit and that made me mad um so i wrote those lyrics pretty quickly after that happened so a good chunk of the lyrics to the annex of wire were written like immediately after the passenger um, and I didn't really change or revise them too, too much before going into the studio. And it had been like a year and a half after we had released that record that we actually went in to record the Annex of Ire. So a lot of those lyrics were old. And I obviously, as I mentioned before, like I changed and moved past. And it's like, I'm not, I don't feel this way anymore. But I wrote them and that's how I felt then. And that's how I should go with it. Uh, but yeah, I was fucking pissed for a super long time. Was there a process of you almost bringing yourself, you know, while recording the uh, while recording the vocals, trying to bring yourself back to that place of where you felt the the anger the most raw to kind of, you know, add to the the dynamic of the recording? Of course. Yeah, it's it's I think it's pretty important um, and trying and torturous sometimes for vocalists to put themselves in the place that they were when they wrote those lyrics. Because when you, you know, you practice them kind of mentally or you'll sit behind your computer as you're typing and think about the phrasing. And then by the time, like when you get actually in the room with the band and everything's cranked and you get to actually do it for the first time, you really get some good takes because you're like foaming at the mouth pissed off and it sounds right. Um, so to get back to that place later on is often challenging, but I find it to be essential. And to be completely transparent, I don't like being in the studio very much. I, uh, I don't love it. The rest of the band is all about it. If they could just like, if Dave could live in a studio and just record guitar parts and record for other people, he's also a phenomenal drummer, but if he could just do that, he would, and I would avoid it at all costs. Um, not because I don't 
like putting out music because that's obviously not at all the case. Um, it just it's just really trying. It's like eight or nine days of like, okay, now you need to feel every emotion that you felt when you wrote that down. And writing it down is a really cathartic experience. You're you know you're making your thoughts and your feelings real into something tangible, and that helps you kind of move past them and grow and change. Um, and then when you have to relive that, you're just like. I was, I'm not sad anymore. I'm not angry anymore. And then you just have to be that person for that little while. So this time was a little different experience because I took the liberty of actually taking all that time off of work and doing nothing but being, a, but when we recorded the passenger, like I worked an eight hour customer service shift and then went right into studio and recorded until one in the morning and then went home and worked the next day. And it just did that back and forth, which was taxing. So this one was um, a little more fluid. Yeah, it can be it can be tough. Speaking of fluid, you know, your new album cover has a very fluid, flowy kind of vibe with the the wolves. Can you talk about this artwork a little bit and how it differs from before? What was the kind of vision and how it represents this record? Cool, absolutely. Um, I was really lucky to work with an incredible artist named Arlen French, um, who is a, a good friend of mine. I met him through Gastown Tattoo Parlor, which is where I've gotten the majority of my work done at. Um, Arlen is a close friend and has a really wide array of artistic styles. He had done a couple paintings that I really liked and um, was interested in either purchasing the licensing to the painting so that we could use that. Um, but when he and I were just sitting down having a conversation about it, he's like, man, I feel like I can paint you something that's exactly as you want it to be. So it, this was a real exercise um, for me in, in kind of like letting go of the reins a little bit, much like working with the record label and expanding your team of industry professionals to fill in your blind spots or your gaps, which was I, I hadn't really let somebody else do art for the band. You know, like my sister had done a couple uh, on my friend Kevin Moore uh, from Soft Surrogate Design did the cover of The Passenger with me. Uh, but that's different because I'm like standing over his shoulder being like, change this, move this. And like, you know, a big part of every single thing. And with this, we just gave Arlen the album and we're like, listen to it. Here's the lyrics. What do you think it looks like? And he got back to me being like, I think it looks like unrelenting fury and it's like anonymous and it's scary and it's intense. Um, and how do you feel about wolves? And I was like, I feel great about wolves. They, they sound awesome. Um, so he was interested in, we just let him do what he did. And um, he came back to us about a month later, back to have the original painting on my wall over there. And he um, was just like, this is what I have for you. And all of us were absolutely floored and blown away. It's exceptional. We, we were so happy about it, but it was really exciting to just kind of let somebody else tell us what their interpretation of our music visually looked like. So that was exciting. And I would probably like to work with Arlen again in the future because he's he's got some cool stuff. It's kind of interesting because it feels like, you know, a lot of um, or at least some of the changes that you went through in this process was, you know, kind of letting go of, you know, because you say you were a part of pretty much every creative aspect of your last record in like every possible way mm -hmm. almost. And you also had to like the business um, aspect of the band, which I do want to talk about as well, because, you know, the business side is something that I feel more artists are coming to, but not everyone's quite there yet. And we could talk about that a little bit, but, you know, just, um, taking the, taking the weight off your own shoulder almost, and just kind of letting go. Would you agree with that? Is that part of your process in all of this? hundred percent. Yeah. This one was a real, real test of that for me, because I, I don't, 
feel like I'm a control freak. Maybe the guys in the band will tell you something different. Um, they like I they refer to me as mom sometimes because I mom them pretty hard. Uh, Dave is dad, so that's he 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 dads them and I mom the crap out of them. But yeah, this was an exercise in just kind of letting go and understanding that like the tighter you hold the reins, the harder it will be to you know steer the carriage. And if you just let it go loose and just take what you get as it comes and roll with it, it often turns out a little bit better. Not to mention like so many other people have such incredible flows of creative output and I want to work with them and I want to know what their stuff is all about because there's so many cool forms of art. What made you want to be the business side of the band as well as the artist? What kind of led you to wanting to, um, to actually take those reins? A number of things. Um, it, for one, like I, I'm more inclined than the rest of the dudes in the band for that aspect of, you know, we all have complementary skill sets and because of that, we're able to create a cohesive whole. Um, but like none of the other guys in the band are interested in illustration or drawing. And like I was already doing graphic design uh, just for fun because I liked it. I was already, I was, you know, I was apprenticing to be a tattooer for a while. So I spent a fair amount of time drawing and painting and I just enjoy art very much. So that aspect went pretty fluidly. And then when it came to the business side of things, um, I, like I went to university, I went to Mount Royal in Calgary. Uh, I took marketing for a couple of years and it was, I dropped out and moved to Vancouver because uh, <laughs> it was not my favorite. I just feel like it came a little bit more intuitively to me. Um, and I also have like an unrelenting drive for that kind of thing to the extent that now I like I'm, I'm volunteering for factor. I'm interviewing for Canada's music incubator. Like I'm really interested in pursuing a full-time role in either management or booking or sync licensing or this, that, or the other within the music industry. Um, mm -hmm. But I think I fell into that role also because of, I don't think any of the other guys were really excited or willing to do it. And then as I started doing it, I was like, man, I really like this. This is like running a small business is rad. <laughs> and now I feel like if I didn't do the band, I would probably just run a small business of something else. Do you think that's um, held the band in, in any way? I mean, obviously it has because, you know, you guys have seen quite a bit of success um, over the last few years, especially um, coming recently. But um, you know, a lot of artists don't want to handle the business side of things and don't really care and don't really care to learn it at all. And kind of, you know, I feel as the music industry grows and there's a lot more opportunity for um, musicians to run things independently without a label, without this, you know, we can easily get our music to the entire world without anybody's help if we absolutely need to. Um, where do you kind of see the artist role in handling themselves as a business in the way the music industry is kind of evolving. Do you see the music industry evolving as somebody who handles the business as well as artistic side of the music industry? Absolutely. It changes daily. Um, and I feel it to be absolutely paramount for artists to have at least some hand in some aspect of their business. Because ultimately, like your, your band is your brand. And if you don't at least have a little bit of a grip on the wheel, um, the slice of the pie that's coming to you is going to be quite small. So as soon as you have a manager, they take a percentage. As soon as you have a distributor, they take a percentage. You have a label, they take a percentage. You have a booking agent, they take a percentage. You're hiring an artist, they take a percentage. And then by the time you've put in so much work and taken out a loan and fronted your personal savings and bought a van and done the tour and, and the whole thing, you're getting next to nothing. Um, and that is really, really difficult. So it's pretty key for, um, for folks to you know, contribute on their own way. And it's, you know, there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, we, you know, we're in Vancouver. In Vancouver, we have Creative BC, Amplify BC, Canada Council for the Arts, Factor. 
We have so many uh, governing agencies that give out funding. If you're capable of just writing a small business plan or outlining your goals. Um, so there's a lot of resources and a lot of ways to learn all these things. And ultimately like just ask, I've spent so many times um, reaching out to other people that I love and respect in the scene. Like the big one for me has been Ryan Schutte from a band called Pound down in Seattle. Ryan is like my main dude. Everything that my band does, I call Ryan and I'm like, hey man, what do you think of this? And we just shoot the shit, chew the fat and, and work out the best thing. Um, and it's nice to have something like a sounding board to, to bounce around ideas with. So I, I think it's pretty important that every band should at least have some grip on what they're doing. Otherwise it's financially damn near impossible to survive. And um, also it sucks when someone else makes a decision for your band that you don't agree with. So mm -hmm. it's good to have a hand on the reins so that you can steer the ship at least in the direction you want it to go. Awesome. That was great. No, I definitely agree with everything you said. A um, couple more quick questions Please. here before we call it. Um, what is the meaning behind the album title, The Annex, Annex of Ire? Why is this what you call the album? Oh, the addition of hate. That was, yeah, the touching oh, yeah. on the, the McKenney thing. It's, yeah, just a fancy way of saying, like, this was my first time being really, really angry. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of where that one came from. It was also something that something else that I think is key that a lot of bands maybe don't do is like check your Google AdWords, see if anybody else has anything named anything similar to it. The passenger was solid, but also when you Google the passenger, we're not the first result. It's like 500 results of other stuff. We get buried way down at the bottom. Um, speaking of being business minded, you have to make sure that you stand out. So if you think of a great album name, like maybe buy the web address to that, maybe like buy all of the Google AdWords for that. Maybe make sure that that's a priority for you so that you are unique enough to stand out or at least unique enough to be found conveniently. Because if somebody Google searches your album, they don't find it first try, they're probably going to give up and then they'll never hear it. I love that you said that because I'm definitely learning about all that kind of stuff right now as I'm kind of, you know, managing the business side of my band as well. And are you exper are you experimenting with uh, Google AdWords? Do you guys use Google uh, Ads yeah. here uh, and there. at this point? Yeah. And like I've done a little bit of SEO writing. A couple of my close friends are full time SEO writers. And like, I think all that shit is hocus pocus myself. Um, but either way, it's they're incredibly helpful to help us like land a little bit of placement. But to be completely transparent right now, like we, we have so much time on our hands and we're just enjoying relishing in that time. So we're not pressing advertising. You know, the fact of the matter is we're a touring band. That's our strong suit is our live show. Um, and and our, our record is, is fantastic and we're all very proud of it. Um, but where we truly generate new fans is, is by performing. So for us to just hammer money into Google AdWords is like, eh, I'd rather not drain my savings account for making 10 new online fans like i'll just wait until we can play a gig awesome my final question would be about the annex of ire music video because you had a big hand in that one as well i think i remember seeing yeah. your name on the credits so just tell me that story um yeah so that one we took the lyrical content um which from the, the title track annex of ire and uh, obviously about McKinney and then broke that down into the common themes and the, the overarching idea of it was, you know, somebody looking for something to console them and then having it stripped away and it kind of kills them inside. Um, and I, we wanted to personify that and make it interesting. So I sat down with Rob Z from RZ Cinema and um, 
he's a close friend of ours. He played in a handful of awesome bands in Vancouver, including one called Astrocon. Uh, and he has another one of a record he hasn't released, which I'm really hoping he releases sometime soon. But um, Rob is an excellent independent filmmaker and, um, and a good friend. So he and I sat down and hashed out the idea. He and I storyboarded the whole thing and wrote it all out. Um, and that, that shoot was incredibly arduous. And I am in so grateful for the team that we had. Um, the three actors that we had, all close friends of ours, uh, we hired two wonderful ladies to handle all the makeup and prosthetics. My incredible partner did all the craft services. So that might sound like a small feat, but we shot just outside of Merritt in BC, um, just out in the bush. And it was four days, three nights. Uh, so it was three 20 hour days. We were up every day an hour before sunrise to get makeup going. And my partner, Anna is like driving to pick up coffee and then making sure that there's 12 people that are fed and happy when they're in the pouring rain covered in makeup having to shoot in like October or something when we shot that so it was cold it was wet it was miserable uh, and we were doing it on a shoestring budget so it was it was a taxing and trying shoot but it was wonderful and I couldn't be happier again for the the whole crew who participated and Rob who really put that one together like a champion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the video did end up super cool. So anybody listening, I recommend to go check it out if you haven't already. Thank um, you. Yeah, of course. Um, that's it for my questions for the day. Do you have any final thoughts, Jeff, um, about anything? Is there anything you want to say to anybody out there listening? Oh, man. Uh, well, there's some things that I think are really, really important right now. Um, you know, supporting local independent venues. They're struggling probably more than most any band would be because they have a brick and mortar space that requires rent, electricity, mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. Uh, so if you can help them out in whatever capacity it may be, whether it's tuning into a live stream that they're hosting or donating wherever you can, those things are really important because those companies are fading. Um, if you are playing in a band, I strongly suggest that you check out all of the government funding available to you through Factor, Canada Council for the Arts, Creative BC, and then every province has like a creative Alberta, a creative Manitoba, that kind of thing. Um, so check out all of their funding because that is truthfully what keeps Neck of the Woods afloat. That's how none of us go bankrupt and all of us can afford to play in a band is government funding. Um, and those are the two things that I think are really, really important right now. And the last thing that I'd say is like the most important, important and most trying thing during COVID-19 being in a band and also just in being a human is kindness and the wild lack of kindness that has kind of ebbed and flowed over the last few months, but I would just urge every person out there to meet every person in your life, be it a stranger or in part of a long-term relationship you've been harboring to just meet everybody with kindness because everyone's going through some shit and it's not getting any easier unless we're good to each other. Thank you for listening to the Wrecked Chords podcast. Visit us at wreckedchords.com for more about Vancouver's punk and metal music scene. 